Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. All right, on today's show, we're going to explore important YouTube updates for marketers, including if you or your company sell products on YouTube, or if you've never used the products on YouTube feature, a huge update might change your mind. So we'll talk about that. Also, updates to community guidelines for controversial issues. I know some brands delve into some of these areas. Are they getting more lenient about this? This could be good news for some marketers and some companies. And YouTube is cracking down on ad blockers. What does that mean for running YouTube ads? We'll break all of that down right now. My name is Jerry Potter, host of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a production from Social Media Examiner, where we break down all the latest social media news and what it means for marketers like you. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Today for YouTube, I'm joined by Diana Gladney, a YouTube expert and consultant. Her YouTube channel is designed to help entrepreneurs simplify the video creation process, and she's the host of the Video Simplified podcast. Uh, Diana, welcome back to the show. It is my pleasure to be here, Jerry. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. So first, updates to shopping and product tagging on YouTube. And I don't have products on YouTube, but these are some pretty intriguing updates that if I did, I think I'd finally be going, all right, I'm going to get these in here. So tell us what's going on with some of these updates. Yeah, this is really good because a lot of the viewer experience is making sure that when something's recommended, it's like that say, show, spell method. When you say something, it should be shown on the screen. And then if it's hard to understand, you get that language on the screen. But with the shopping experience, we want to buy. <laughs> well, that pops up now because we can add timestamps into the videos natively using that shopping feature. So they already have like YouTube already has all of these different connections uh, with brands that just high name brands that brands that are out there. So for in the camera space, it would be Adorama's camera store. Well, I can go in there 
select the exact camera microphone that I'm using. But if it's not until 12 minutes and 12 seconds in the video or the live stream where I'm recommending that now I can go in in this video and specifically have it populate at the moment that I'm actually talking about it or where it makes sense for it to pop up instead of the beginning. Then you forget about it and stuff like that. So this is really neat. It's such a, a incredible opportunity because the more friction there is, the less likely somebody buys. Mm -hmm. And then like you said, it's not just for your own products or your company's products. You know, you can recommend a camera to another store. And I went in and I just played, because I don't do a lot of products on my YouTube channel, but I just went in and searched and it was like, oh my gosh, they, there's all kinds of stores and products in here. And because I talk about, you know, video projects, uh, products sometimes like webcams and stuff like that. And it was like, oh my God, there's a, there's a lot in here, which is a neat opportunity. And and if I'm understanding it correctly from the affiliate standpoint, I mean, if you're a marketer or a company, you've already got a channel and you're already talking about this stuff, you can now tag them and all of the affiliate part, once you set it up, is built in where you can get these direct commissions for recommending these products, right? Right. And YouTube tells you upfront what that percentage is per store, per item. So sometimes it may be more beneficial to select a different item. And they show you like if I search the name of a product or what have you, it comes up. And these are the various stores that offer them. And this is the affiliate income um, that they're offering when people purchase through this link. Uh, so you have access to that, which is really good, I think, for content creators, marketers, entrepreneurs, because you can't always get into the specific company's partner program that you want to. And if you don't sometimes hit a minimum threshold, you may get in, but you can't stay in. So YouTube is kind of taking care of all of that and just allowing you to kind of double up on the income and even for example, most marketers, let's say you are talking specifically about Facebook ads or whatever, you don't necessarily have to have a product that you're only recommending in that video. Think about the microphone that you're using, the computer that you like to use, um, or that would be best for your ideal target audience. Those are still great things to plug because people still ask that stuff in these uh, very specific social media type posts and now you can make money off of it. Well, and just an ethical dilemma that anybody that does this is going to have to face when you go in there and you look up a product, you'll see it at different prices and different mm -hmm. percentages. And, you know, you kind of have to go, I, I, I lean toward, oh, I want to, you know, find the best price for my audience member. But of course, if somebody is charging more and it's all based on percentages, commissions could be higher. So just know that that a decision that you will be facing. Another thing they added too is if you tag a lot of products on your channel, now you can actually tag, uh, do multi-video product tagging. So you can actually tag a product to lots of different videos at once based on the links detection and video description. So, so many cool things happening. The marketing world is obviously in a state of disruption with AI and all of these other things. If you listen to this show, you probably know that. But do you know the best way that a marketer can get through these seasons of change? Because a lot of times we're working by ourselves, we're having conversations with ourselves and our clients and different things like that. But man, when we get together, cool things happening. And that is one of the reasons that we have social media marketing world every year, where you can get together and find out how other people are navigating all this change and share ideas with. So we would like to invite you to join us at social media marketing world to find inspiration that you need and meet people that can help you succeed. Get your tickets right now. Just go to socialmediamarketing.world, socialmediamarketing.world. So YouTube and podcasts are both great marketing tools. YouTube has been talking about leaning more 
more into podcasts. They've made more changes this year than ever before. What is the latest announcement from YouTube in regards to podcasts? Yeah, YouTube is uh, taking on Spotify head on right now, and it is serious business in the podcasting space. And so they've decided to go ahead and sunset the Google podcast. So usually if you type in your show name for your podcast, then it comes up. You have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, you know, you have the big players like Google. Well, Google Podcasts has been kind of taking a back burner to so much so they said specifically, this is according to Edison, that about 23% of weekly podcast users in the U.S. say that YouTube, not Google, not nobody, YouTube is their most frequently used service versus the 4% that they're seeing uh, on Google Podcasts. And I think this is significant because they have so much data over at Alphabet, the you know parent company, Google, and obviously YouTube and all that. But they know. They know social behavior and the viewing behavior and the search behavior. Well, podcast is part of that now. So when these topics are being searched in Google, they're not going to Google podcast to just listen to it. They want to see it, engage with it. And all this stuff is going to be coming in and migrating over to YouTube music that you may already be seeing some podcasts there now, which can give you the video and the audio. So YouTube is just kind of cleaning house with all of this stuff. It's interesting. I have been getting heavily targeted with ads for Spotify podcasting specifically. Same. Um, and their whole thing is what YouTube is talking about too. Okay, yeah, where they're saying, hey, interact with your listeners, add polls. And so it sounds like YouTube is going in that same direction. One thing that YouTube has already built in, it would be really interesting if they start essentially moving the monetization over for the audio podcast as well for companies that are already creating marketing material and marketing content anyway as an additional revenue source. So one of the questions that I see coming up though a lot is, should we put the podcast on an existing YouTube channel or a separate one? So what have you done with your podcast? Personally, I have moved it to its own dedicated channel so that it's not interrupting the viewing experience and the expectation, viewer expectation, when they click on the video. YouTube uh, is very wise in what they're saying and how they're encouraging probably new people. If you just created a YouTube channel, how to keep everything in one spot and then minimize, you know, the frustration of decision fatigue. But at the same time, if you're an existing marketer, content creator, you have an established brand, I would say introduce it or maybe do a live stream or something introducing on that main channel. But I found it to be best to kind of give it its own space to breathe, its own analytics and all of that, because it's honestly a mess uh, when YouTube combines all this different stuff together. Unfortunately, unless you're just a personal brand, then that's one thing. But, you know, we got a dedicated topic, dedicated marketing strategies, brand. It just is so much better and more analytically. It's better to be able to focus when it comes specifically to the podcast versus trying to separate all these different medium states. Okay, with videos and long form content and shorts on your channel. But then when it comes to podcasts, I just think it's better to go ahead and get a dedicated channel for that. I love that you said that because I had the same thought and I saw somebody pretty high up at YouTube being interviewed a few months back and, and somebody asked him, hey, new channel or put the podcast on the same channel. And he flat out said, if it's the same audience, put it on the same channel. And so I did the same thing at first and it just, it didn't quite feel right. And it was, you know, I kept worrying like, is this affecting the views on my other videos? And is it, does it feel out of place? Cause it is a different type of content, I think for most shows. So I did the same thing as you. Although when you already have an established YouTube channel and then you put up a brand new one and you're back to those beginner numbers sometimes. It's a little bit of an ego hit, but I, I've been experimenting with, you know, it's, it's interesting and fun to try and grow a channel from scratch again. And then like you mentioned, the cross promotion when it makes sense, because YouTube only wants people to stay on YouTube. So at the end of your video on your main channel, if 
a great next logical step is one of your podcast episodes. It's a really nice segue over there, which I really, really like. All right. AI, obviously, we can't do this show without talking about AI. It's one of the big disruptors. And we first touched on this the last time we did a YouTube show, but I wanted to get your take on this idea of dream screen for shorts. And for anyone who hasn't seen what this is, essentially, you're going to be able to go in and type in something that you want in your video background, and it will use generative AI to create whatever you want. So you could say, I want an underwater background with elephants wearing scuba gear and rainbows coming in from the surface of the water, and it will theoretically generate it, and that can be your background. So what are, what are your thoughts on uh, this dream screen as as they like it? And by the way, as far as naming things go, I really like the name. That's a really good name. They nailed I think that. it was good too. I think this is brilliant. I think YouTube, again, they're looking at who are all, all the types of third-party programs, software tools, and whatnot that the creator is finding themselves spending extra money for. And it just makes sense to bring all that stuff in-house so that you only have to worry about doing this on YouTube. The, the one thing that I can think about marketers instantly using this for is sometimes you just need some background image that is very aesthetically pleasing, but it is not anything like, you know, descriptive, like they show the panda bear. We don't maybe need that, but you just need a nice background. You don't have to go and search for that. You can say exactly what you're thinking and imagining, have that come up and that instantly cuts down uh, on time. And I can further see this moving into the long form content that's 16 by nine yeah. uh, content. So we can go ahead and transition that over because that would be amazing. That stuff you can use in your live stream, that stuff you can use it again in your regular long form content stuff. You can already like they're advertising it being in your shorts. So having not only just that brand consistency, but making sure that whatever I'm thinking of, I can just type, I can type that in already on the app on YouTube and I'm getting what I want through my phone. Brilliant. Because again, I think YouTube is not thinking about like, oh, AI is a hot topic. I really do think that they're putting a ton of work into thinking about the creator experience and the amount of subscriptions. And I say <laughs> we're all getting subscriptioned out because it's like, dang, how much stuff are we going to pay for is like 50,000 different subscriptions. Now we don't. It just may be a YouTube thing. And if they added it onto a YouTube premium or a YouTube creator or whatever, you know, it just incentivizes you to continue to use them. It just makes sense. I remember when you talked about this specific issue at Social Media Marketing World earlier this year, where you kind of said, there's going to be a million of these tools and there's going to be 2 million tomorrow and 3 million the next day. You can't pay for all of them. So you got to find the ones that really make sense and, and invest your money in. But it is neat that uh, YouTube is making them available for everybody, which ties into that new YouTube Create video editing app, which is still only on Android. And as a spoiled iPhone user, right. I feel left <laughs> out. But but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting the way that they're doing that. Now, the other YouTube AI update, I feel is less important, but worth mentioning just because I hopefully it gives people a glimpse of what's to come and they call it Bloom. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially the first AI shorts filter. And you looked at it. So explain what you saw when you know and exactly what this is. Well, in its present state, the uh, AI Bloom tool is so that if you want, if me sitting in my office as I am now, I can instantly turn myself into like this shrub and <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's it's fine. This was a top, topiary. I think it's the correct grammatical term, but I'm turning into a shrub or a tree and it's very augment reality ish. And that's nice. But I can't see us marketers using that yet. However, what I do think this uh, is a gateway into is if I needed to characterize or you think about 
brands where your mascot, so to speak, is a person or is whether it be an AI person now or it's a character. What if we can import our own characters into this app? And instead of me, I become the the flow from progressive. I become, you know, whatever my logo is, you know, like a social media market. I can't think of what the character's name is right now, but I could become him. And, yeah. you know, I become a 3D version of that. So I think there's some benefits in the future. But as it as it is, right, unless you have a long cutting shrub cutting business or stuff, then I can't can't see us using it today. Yeah. In a way, it kind of that turns into a plant or a flower. It, it sounds even more like diminishing when you say a shrub. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to just see what this is about, it's available for both Android and iOS devices in the YouTube app when you go to make a short, as long as you're not in the EU or the UK, which is not there yet for some reason. All right. So some uh, feature updates. One, uh, some great updates for inclusivity and accessibility, which is great. One is in audio descriptions for creators. And this is where if you are, if you are sight impaired and you are watching a movie, sometimes there's an additional audio track. So there might be a track in English, a track in Spanish, a track in, in French, but there also might be a track with descriptions. And when somebody's not talking, then it will essentially describe what's going on so that people can you know, quote, watch the movies. And so uh, YouTube is adding this. And it's it's interesting to think about possibilities. My brain is certainly not racing to a, a lot of possibilities with this unless you are targeting a certain kind of audience. But what are, you, what are your thoughts on this, Diana? I think it has a lot of potential because when we look at the ability of who are our audiences that are listening and watching that are not our native language, like I saw Indonesian and Hindu is one of my top viewers that are outside of, you know, USA. In Canada, obviously, but I'm like, okay, if I'm thinking about something that is a cultural difference or it's something that makes sense here in the U.S., but they don't do that in other countries, I can very much so see when we integrate those kinds of things that we as creators aren't thinking about and we're converting, you know, our, our subtitles, now we're converting it audibly, it does make sense to explain why we're doing this or what this is that they're seeing on screen so that they know it's not something that's offensive. They know that it's something that is for kids or whatever the case is that makes sense for, you know, whatever you're talking about in your business and your brand. Because already in this show, we've talked about several tools and features that roll out in the U.S. It's not always in the EU. It's sometimes in other countries. And so we're like, well, why do they do that? So now we have that explanation. I think for that reason, it would be good because now we understand why that makes sense in these different respective locations. I love that. One of my favorite things about doing what I do is getting to talk to people all over the world. And sometimes I'll have a friend in another, in another part of the world and say, hey, how would you say this? Or how would you refer to this? Or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be. And I also sometimes will, you know, if I know somebody is primarily talking to people here in North America where I am, I'll say, oh, we don't, like people may not know what that word is or that term. Right. Is. So right. that's interesting. And then another inclusivity update, YouTube is launching a pronouns feature. So English channels in the US, in the US, you can opt in to display your pronouns on your channel publicly just for subscribers or not at all. So that is rolling out. And then another update to analytics. So they've added a new filter to analytics and, and Diana, you are so much better at, at interpreting everything in analytics and, and, and utilizing them. So what is this update and that uh, we can find in there? Yeah. So this this is the new and returning viewers filters so that when you when we used to go on YouTube back in the day, back in my day, <laughs> you know, you would just go in and you're just looking at base data um, and that's everyone. Well, that doesn't really help to understand the segmented versions of our audience, which more specifically here, the, those that are new to us, they've never seen our content or maybe 
Now, they did watch something. We didn't quite convert them in that last video or series of videos even, um, but they're a returning uh, viewer. Well, now we can specifically go into analytics, go into the advanced tab, and now we can specify what data that's only coming from the people that are new to us or what data specifically only from those people that are returning viewers. And I think that's such a better way for us to be able to dissect what we're looking at understand our view, viewer's social behavior when they're on the platform, but then also make better decisions as a creator. Because sometimes we think and we interpret wrong when we think, well, this didn't get them to subscribe. So if I want them to come back again, I should do this. And it's not. And it becomes something that they don't enjoy. But now we can just filter out and say, give me only the data for returning viewers and look at that only and compare that to the other tools that you know are in the analytics. And I think that's brilliant. I love the way that you explain that. And so does that mean that Every, like a lot of the data that we have, we can now see that way. So we can look at, for example, retention of a new viewer versus mm -hmm. a returning viewer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's huge. Right. So here's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> so think about, so they've been introducing, we talked about this on other shows where with YouTube shorts, they tell us, you know, how much of the shorts people watch, same kind of analytics. Okay. Well, now we start thinking about segmenting that kind of content out too. what got them interested, what got them watching, what gets them to come back as well. And if there were kind of cross pollinating between our short form and our long form content, specifically down to just those that come back to the channel or specifically down to those that are just brand new and are seeing us for the first time. Yeah, that's fantastic. OK, I love that. I, yeah, I don't think I quite understood the depth of it until you walked through that. But that is an incredible tool and makes somebody who avoids analytics like me even yeah. want to go in and, and take a look. And because there's so many ways that we can put that into practice. So if you run ads on YouTube, this is something you're definitely want to know about. Um, YouTube is cracking down on ad blockers. And so this is basically software that you can install. And sometimes it'll block ads on websites and different things like that. And apparently, Google has finally said if they detect an ad blocker, they will not show you the video um, anymore. And of course, everybody on Reddit is mad yeah. <laughs> about this. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you know, obviously, that's how Google and YouTube make their money is by giving you this free content by putting the ad on the front. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Is this probably a permanent shift or or is the is the way that people perceive YouTube going to be more important than than this kind of thing. I think it comes back down to dollars and cents and people are subscriptioned out. They're tired of paying like it, there was a, a recent video I watched where we were saying how all of these various subscriptions and platforms that we're doing for our just like people don't just come to YouTube for content only stuff. We have YouTube movies, we have YouTube music, we have all these other things, entertainment based plus our favorite creators. We don't always want to watch ads and I get it. And people are subscriptioned out. And now people are paying more than they would for various subscriptions than they would just for, you know, a cable package based on the current pricing and where they're going to jump in the next one or two months. OK, when we add all that in, they figure, well, this is a public platform. I should be able to skip ads and turn on an ad blocker like anything else, which they have been. Unfortunately, for YouTube to say it's against terms, terms of service, I think that's a bit of a stretch Honestly, and I feel like that's reaching. And I know that that is a lean in to say, hey, for 13 could be going up to like 15 bucks here soon. You can just not worry about that. And then you pay the creator gets paid. Advertisers get paid. Google gets paid. And then the creator benefits and stuff. And you don't have to worry about ads. But again, I think 
they have to look at this a little, a little bit more realistically of people are subscription now. And I think the piracy community is going to get get their hands on it and they'll find a workaround. But I think logically as a marketer, we do need to be looking at what are the other ways to monetize. So if people are doing this stuff, think about that. You know, obviously business, we own businesses, but from this, it's weird. It's really weird, weird position. You're right about being subscriptioned out, though. And, you know, I think uh, at some point we're going to see a TV show or a movie about time travel and somebody's going to go back and they're going to say, what should I know about the future? And they're going to say, oh, when they say you can cut the cord and cancel cable and your TV bill will only be $15 a month, that's a lie. You're still going to pay $100 a month. It's just going to be among all of these right different out. services yeah. because it happens so quickly. And, you know, like in, in, in my house, I think we have five different, you know, streaming services that we pay for. YouTube Premium is not one of them. But with a family of four, everybody has like the one and a half that they watch. And so it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to cancel this one. And, and one of the kids is like, no, my favorite show's on there or, you know, whatever it might be. So yeah, you bring up a great point around that. So an AI update, well, in just a second, uh, there is an update on community guidelines that I think is really important for marketers to hear, but an AI update that uh, they are rolling out is specifically to help brands be around major moments. And so they're calling it spotlight moments and it's AI powered on the back end. And so basically you can attach yourself to popular things that are going on. So in the example of this right now, they used Halloween because obviously in here in the United States, Halloween is coming up. But beyond that, it sounds like with AI, you'll be able to attach yourself to other big moments that are happening. If you want to look for this when you go in to create YouTube ads, if that's what you do, just something that you, I think you can uh, watch out for. Now this controversial issues one, this is an interesting one. And we had an internal discussion here at Social Media Examiner where, you know, the, the content we do is not that controversial, but YouTube has obviously cracked down as all of the social platforms are on certain graphic content and shocking content and things like that. And so they're actually, it sounds like YouTube is actually getting a little bit more lenient with a few of these. And so let me just kind of talk through this. So one, the specific issues that they're talking about here that are they're fall under the controversial uh, issues are sexual and domestic abuse, abortion, and eating disorders. Essentially, what they've said now is if you're putting out content like this that is discussing these concepts without going into graphic details, you'll be able to fully monetize these videos and theoretically reach a lot more people. Now, of course, not going into graphic details sometimes is a thing that makes you reach less people. But so that that's what they said about those overall. The eating disorders one gets a little bit confusing. And I know this can tie back to so many brands, whether it's, you know, clothing, weight loss, you know, all of this different stuff. But basically... Anything about, they said specifically binging, hiding or hoarding food or abusing laxatives cannot be monetized, but anything that is educational, documentary-based, or survivor content can be monetized, even if it talks about those things, as long as it's not sensationalizing them or anything like that. So wh where do you see YouTube going with this? Do you think the AI is getting smarter or the management at YouTube is getting more lenient? Because there is, the, the problem with this kind of content is it's always been there's no gray area, right? It's just either yes or no. Yeah, I think with the space that we're in, just as a community, global community, I think it really is important to pay attention to when they say educational, someone's experience is educational to someone else. And hearing the deep, dark areas of what may not fit these guidelines over the course of you know, them trying to obviously protect themselves. It makes good business business sense, but also for the viewer's experience. Okay. If you're a marketer and you do have a health and wellness type company and 
it may be, you know, some kind of holiday on the calendar in the U.S. about fitness and health and eating disorders or what have you. And you're sharing your experience. OK, well, to say binging, hiding, hoarding food, those are real issues, real conditions that people deal with. And I think it's important to understand that, like, I don't think AI is going to do a good job of being human. I think it's going to take humans to do that and them trying to hand that off to some level We'll probably cut down on on some awareness, but they're going to really, really, really have to train it. Thankfully, AI is smart, but I think it, it human to human connections and human to human relational points is something that YouTube has thrived on for years. And to take that away because it is a sensitive topic, I think this is something where you're not just going to be able to take this away. You need to be able to put a human seat and look at what they're talking about and make that on a case by case basis. Otherwise, I think YouTube runs into the problem of keeping it from being something that people can connect with, dive in deeper and want to engage more with creators, pl the platform and overall YouTube as an organization, simply because they're connecting with people. And that's what YouTube is all about. And I think this has the potential to be dangerous if done only via AI, if done only you know, through a tech side of things. So it, it's risky. Yeah, that's the tricky part. And, and you know, from YouTube's perspective, it's like it's not like they can have a human sit and watch 28 minute videos. Sure. To, and then and not to mention have a human, you know, making all those decisions and things like that. But for sure, two things YouTube is testing to know about. One is a community feed on the mobile home tab. So this is something that they're just testing a little bit here. But I think it's just another indicator with how much more YouTube is embracing that community tab and that, you know, the, the more traditional posts that we would see on Facebook or Instagram. And so what are you seeing with the community tab? Are you using it? Are you are your are members or students or are they leaning into this more? Or what are what are you seeing right now around that? Community tab has grown a lot since its initial release. And even before, I can't think of what it was called initially on YouTube. They had something similar that they sunsetted in lieu of the community tab. I think it's brilliant because like when I was traveling or when I got sick and I was, you know, sharing a pitch, like we're not going to have videos for a while, guys. Like I was out of town, caught COVID and now I'm back. So it's like, but I'm out of town again. So it's like I can share pictures. We can do polls, all of these various forms of us communicating. I think it is important now for it to be a post only feed. And I think that, again, it's trying to make YouTube into something it's not more Instagrammable ish, like with text only stuff or more X or Twitter or even threads type thing. Eh, not so much because I can't see like you don't care what somebody's typing about unless you care about the topic or you care about the creator. That's what makes it make sense woven in the in between of stuff. So I've kept my feed mixed just because that's my normal social behavior on the platform. I can't see changing that for a video based viewing platform. That's what I care to do with minimal text based interactions and stuff. I think that's just trying to be too much of another app. Well, and I think the biggest thing, too, with this that I see, and first of all, yes, the community tab has gotten so big and they lowered the threshold. And I think pretty much any channel can have access mm -hmm. to it now, which is great. But the biggest thing is when we're putting content on any of these platforms for any purpose, we always have to keep in mind who's going to see this. Are people seeing this who have no idea who I am? Are people going to see this who are searching for a certain problem? Or are my, you know, the biggest fans of whatever channel going to see this? And so the community tab seems to be the wild west of that, right? Like if you make a long form video, it'll probably go to, you know, some of your subscribers will 
watch it and then hopefully it'll get picked up in search. And so you know the intention of people coming into it. Shorts, you know it's most likely going to come up in a feed of them watching other videos. But the community tab, it seems like, you know, when I've been playing and with some people I've talked to, it's like some stuff goes nowhere. Sometimes stuff goes to a bunch of people who don't know who you are. Polls seem to reach beyond your subscribers and things like that. So that'll be interesting to, to in the coming months to kind of look at the analytics and figure out, okay, what is going to go here? Because it does, in my experience, it's just been complete, you know, hit or miss. I love what you described, though, about making it a personal place to kind of communicate with your subscribers, because that's probably the biggest benefit is for people to get to know you better and become more loyal to you and your personal brand and the content that you're creating. Yeah, I think uh, one last point on that is this goes back to something around 2019, 2020-ish that we saw start seeing coming to the platform specifically on mobile first is the viewer satisfaction polls that YouTube themselves start introducing. And we'll still see this to figure out how this content made someone feel. And I think that is a lot of that, of understanding like the community tab, I think present day terms is a lot of based on still that engine of the viewer's um, satisfaction, like if you enjoy a certain topic, they're obviously making that little chiclet at the top, the little tab of based on your interest. Well, now we're seeing text-based stuff and all those things. So I think there's just more and more of them trying to get that satisfaction higher the longer that someone stays on the platform because there's all of these different ways to communicate uh, with sometimes your favorite creators and it's simply based on the topic, even if you don't know anybody, because all of us are nerds about something that we love. And for me, it could be Storm and X-Men. And I don't care who you are. We can talk all day about that stuff. And so I think YouTube is just tying into that satisfaction um, meter as well. So one unfortunate thing that uh, happens to most brands eventually is even if they have the best intentions, uh, comments on a certain piece of content can kind of spiral out of control. I used to uh, consult on reputation management, so we'd work with some of this. And so previously, if that happened to a video on uh, YouTube, you had a couple of options. One, you could hold all comments for review, or two, um, you could disable comments from your channel entirely. Now they're testing something that will allow you to pause comments at the video level. And so essentially, if something's going on, you don't want any more comments on the video, you can just pause it, but it keeps the comments that are already there. And you can do it video by video, which I could see being helpful if you get into a situation like this. This is something I've seen on Instagram. You'll see videos start to go viral. And you know, the first few comments are wholesome. And then the next several hundred, somebody triggers somebody and it goes into the wild, wild west. (laughs) And so I think YouTube is kind of like, yeah, we should probably be able to, you know, put a halt to this. And I I think from a marketer and content creator in a brand's perspective, it gives us time because we're not sitting watching our videos 24 seven or what monitoring the comments 24 seven or have somebody to do that all the time. So it gives us time to go live life, come back and, you know, see how a video is doing. It's like, oh, let me remove these comments or let me add in some more filters to my channel security so that this extra stuff doesn't come in and then we can resume. And I think that's just smart because, again, it just gives us more breathing space from a marketing perspective, but still protect the brand. Yeah. Well, Diana talked about video and AI at Social Media Marketing World this last year, and it was amazing. And I can't wait for us all to get together again. We're going to be talking YouTube, AI, and everything else. Quick reminder to grab your all-access ticket to Social Media Marketing World today and make amazing connections. Just go to socialmediamarketing.world, socialmediamarketing.world 
www.diana.gladney.world. And Diana, where can we discover more about you? Well, of course, you're on YouTube at Diana Gladney is my handle. And then uh, you can go to dianagladney.com to find me everywhere else on the interwebs. Awesome. And a couple other podcasts for you to check out, too, that are really amazing. The Social Media Marketing Podcast, as well as the Marketing Agency Show. Find those in your favorite podcasting apps. And until next time, may you be wise with your marketing decisions. Thanks, everyone. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.